Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try to take some of the science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week we are embarking on a journey that will stretch your imagination to the cosmic limits. Buckle up as we drive into the mind-bending world of space-time. You can follow us on any directory that you're listening to it on. So if you can, please do. Ratings, likes, all are welcome. I'm Tom Jenks, joined as per usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? Oh, we're good. I'm good now. We're good. Good. We, yeah, got there. we managed to get through starting the recording. Yes. Um... It's definitely on the first try. <laughs> definitely on the first try, not the fourth. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm well. are you? How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, not too bad. Um, just is what it is, you know? That slow creep of panic as you edge towards the end of a PhD. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's normal. So we're just going to keep going until it goes wrong terribly. Or just hopefully it won't, you know? Yeah, I don't, mate. I don't, I don't think it will. I think you're on top of things. Think you, <laughs> sounds like you're ahead in stressing. When's uh, the due date? Um, I mean, technically January 25. Um, but I, I don't get money for that long. So funding runs out in mm-hmm. July. Okay, so, so we're finishing before in July. then. Yes, that that's okay. the aim. Yeah, yeah. There's no job for Tom. Tom doesn't want a job. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to become a urchin, a house urchin. Yeah. Oh, right, sorry. When you say funding, do you mean like research funding to do? Yes, PhD stuff? funding. So or... most PhDs work on a stipend, um, and that is normally funded like upfront either yearly or for the full three and a half, four years in the UK. Um, so, yeah, like they have that reserve of money set aside and that just runs out. Okay, yeah. For me, yeah. three and a half years, yeah. Yeah, so not like money that you get, but like money that they use to carry out your research. No, like my stipend, like my salary, as it were. Uh, yeah, so I thought, yes. okay. Yeah. Okay. But not like, so you could potentially fund yourself then you could still continue the research that you're doing and they would pay for that aspect of it um i'm sure if you how much you cost no not much i only need a desk which is would otherwise be empty (laughs) so because all all like research and actual data collection is done has been for a while yeah so So, yes exactly uh so i could carry on till january but i would be self-funded at that point Mm-hmm. Um, and then here they have a hard limit at four years, so January twenty-five. Oh, yeah, if Scottish, I don't yeah. uh, hand in before that, then I just fail. Brutal, so, isn't yeah. it? Brutal, brutal yeah. in Scotland. Pretty, I don't know if that's fully Scottish or just a St Andrews thing. Uh, no, I think uh, I were people who are from the Scottish lands. I think they they said it was also as. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Well. It's fair. I, I can see why, to some degree. Mm. Yeah. Motivator. De- <laughs> definitely something like, I need. Like... Otherwise, I'd be here 10 years. <laughs> Don't we both know it? Don't yeah. we both know it? <laughs> All right. Um, well, enough about me. You got some news for us? I do. It's a bit some, more exciting than my... News. Uh... Exciting news that you may find exciting. Okay. Uh, I think it was like literally posted about five to six hours ago. I pulled it from. Um, Whoa, but it's what's a that new... smell? It's yeah. hot off the press. Hot off the press. Was that your smelling? Red, blue, and black. Um, a new kind of magnetism <laughs> has been measured for the first time. Okay. Called alter magnets, which contain a blend of properties from different classes of, of existing magnets, could be used to make high capacity and fast memory devices or new kinds of magnetic computers. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, until the 20th century, there was thought to only be one kind of permanent magnet, a ferromagnet, and the effects of which can be seen in objects with relatively strong external magnetic fields like fridge magnets or compass needles. These fields are caused by magnetic spins of the magnets, electrons lining up in one direction. But in the 1930s, French physicist Louis Niel discovered uh, another kind of magnetism called antiferromagnetism, where the electron spins are alternatively up and down. Although antiferromagnets, like the external field, of ferromagnets they do show interesting internal magnetic properties because of the alternating spins and in 2019 researchers measured a perplexing electrical current in the crystal structure of a certain antiferromagnet called 
the anomalous Hall effect, uh, which couldn't be explained by conventional theories of alternating spins. The currents uh, are moving without any external magnetic field. So it seems that when looking at a crystal in terms of sheets of spin, that a third kind of permanent magnetism might, sorry, might be possible, uh, which has been called alter magnetism. Uh, alter magnets would look like anti-ferromagnets, but the sheets of spin would look the same when rotated from any angle, and this would explain the Hall effect. But no one has has seen the electric signature of the structure itself, so scientists are unsure whether it was definitely a new kind of magnetism. Until now, ah, they measured it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of both. That's cutting edge. Yeah, I like the That's idea wild. of... Uh, it's very sci-fi tropey using, like, crystals in, like, computer science. Now, you don't really see that in real science because it doesn't really hold a thing, but I like the idea of, like, a purple crystal being inserted into, like, <laughs> a dashboard and doing something. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, interesting. I wonder what that will like, actually change because they can't be so common that um, you know, otherwise we would have discovered it before now. I was thinking we have magnets and everything. Is it just going to upend the way we live our lives? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I uh, did... Oh, sorry, yeah. I was actually going to say that this was found uh, made... It was the uh, made at the Swiss Light Source by an international collaboration led by the Czech Academy of Sciences together with the Paul Scherer Institute, PSI. Which is a... don't know why they've called it PSI, because PSI already has a different acronym. Yeah. Especially in that field. <laughs> so, yeah, a bit of a confusing one, that. Yeah, so they... Uh, institutions love their acronyms. It's, they uh, it's do. a whole other they thing do. to like, learn. I, I work in, like, information security, and they absolutely love it. Um, and... Everybody, like, as soon as someone uses one, they're like, okay, so what do you, which one are you specifically talking about? Because there's like three that could be different things specifically in tech. And you're like, brilliant. Cheers for that. <laughs> um, like DCC or DC or SEC or SSE. Things that even sound the same. Um, yeah, depending on someone's accent, you could really just not know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, it's like, have you seen that? interview with the Australian where he's like, is there any advice that you'd give people into starting a new business? And the guy's like, it's the Australian accent. And it sounds like he's saying uh, spend less time with their kids. Um, But what he's actually saying is an Australian is uh, spend less time with dickheads. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. But the way they're saying it is like, you spend less time with dickheads? And obviously, he's heard the kids. Um, yeah. uh, that's actually hilarious. So it happens all the time. All the time. Um, yeah. So the proof of this is they used uh, x-rays to provide proof of the magnets. Uh, by using spin and, spin and angles, resolve the photoemission spectro- spectroscopy at the uh, SIS and the address B lines of the SIS. This technique enabled the team to visualize a telltale feature in the electronic structure of a suspected magnet, the splitting of electronic bands corresponding to different spin states, known as the lifting of Cramer spin generacy. Like you see when you put like uh, metal filings down around a magnet and it's got like the, yeah. the lines around it. Um, yeah. It's always wild that in school. Oh, I'll get the iron filings out, you know. Uh, you have like tubes of iron filings. It's just you never encountered them again in my entire life. You know, it like it's such a common thing. <laughs> just just metal <laughs> just filings always right? around at school. Yeah, you know, you, you know, if you have a magnet, you need iron filings. Just never seen them again. Yeah, yeah. I always find it really funny. There's a video of um, someone who's got like a really strong magnet, and like they're putting up to their cereal. It's like, oh my god, there's like there's metal in my cereal. It's like, yeah, it's the iron. You've bought a high yeah. iron cereal and then you've wondered <laughs> why there's iron. Like, you, 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 when you say like you're low on irons, it's the same kind of like. It's literally, yes. Like, it's, <laughs> I saw a TikTok the other day. Fish, the iron that, fish that you get. Uh, blew my mind. This woman was like, she, she, I don't know, she must be in her 40s and she had just discovered that you can actually eat fruit off a tree. Mmm. Yeah. American. 
Oh no, yeah. Um, and she was like, I can't be the only person who's just figured this out, that you can actually eat fruit directly from a tree. And it blew my mind. But I don't know, maybe there are just some parts of the world where we're so detached from our food that that is that is a thing. But yeah. yes. I, the, my, my, my latest American centralism thing is... Uh, the the fork and knife situation how people like how americans use utensils such as what a fork and a knife compared to like european centric or like uk and i didn't know it was a thing until this week like because we're in the uk the fork always stays in your left hand and the knife always stays in your right hand yeah you you stab the food you cut it with the fork and then you keep the the, yeah sorry (laughs) the knife (laughs) cut it with the knife uh then you put it in your mouth and you eat it all with the fork staying in your left hand. Yeah. That is a massive American thing. It's like poke the food with the fork, cut it with the knife, put the knife down, switch the fork in between hands, and then eat using the fork with your dominant hand. See, I used to do this a lot as a kid, but I think that's just because I, I, I much preferred using my right hand and I was undiagnosed. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, are we making and a I statement about all Americans here? Doing it. No, but like, <laughs> people would be like, why are you doing that? You know? Um, yeah, apparently it's so a big I, thing. I, I big kind thing. of get it. Yeah. Big thing. Uh, it just seems like a lot of extra steps to get the food from the plate to your mouth. I mean, you're not wrong. But once you become efficient at it, yeah, not much changes. Um, yeah. Anyway, 12 minutes in. Yes, we are. Well, let's right. get on to the topic of the week, which is space time space time fun yep. stuff very interesting um concept so just, a, just an easy one this week just yeah nothing too, light, too heavy light and breezy easy peasy lemon squeezy um i was actually inspired to go down this route because you mentioned it in our time episode a few weeks ago um but we didn't really have a chance to actually explore what it is why it's there and how we came to understand that so mm-hmm. i thought why not tackle that and just see what it's all about. So and obviously, you've got some facts about. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Space time. No, no. Oh, okay. No. no. Uh, facts. <laughs> you know, I don't know why my brain just goes nah. <laughs> just, nah. I've even you know, got no the heading of us. my notes here for facts. <laughs> it's just blank. <laughs> really, do facts? Yeah. Come on, Tom, do facts, and then yeah. you think nah. Not gonna do it. Um. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, have you got facts? Uh. Yeah. Man. Of course, I've got facts. Yeah. Of course. You're reliable. Cool. Yeah. Of course, yeah. You've got facts. Yeah. Uh. First one. Global. Our global positioning systems. The GPS. Our GPS technology relies on our understanding of space time and the effect of gravity on time to accurately provide positional information. It corrects for the time dilation effects predicted by general relativity to ensure precise location data, as we'll go into a bit later. And I think we actually explained that in the time episode because we did, uh, we did time clocks dilation a little bit, on the yeah. International Space Station compared to clocks down here. And the clocks on the International Space Station have to run quicker or slower. Yes. No, they have to run is. quicker because yeah, the closer like, you are to the gravity, the more it affects time. Yes, that's correct. Like So, yes, uh, Let's say this, if you're... this move is going to cost us fifteen years. Um... Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, I have... It's been on my list for so long to watch Interstellar again. Well, I uh, mine too, actually. And I'm waiting for the, the, the perfect moment. That I have some time to sit down and take like you know, a big deep breath out and be like, <sighs> right, yeah. that's time uh, to watch it because they they cover it when they go down to the water planet. They do. They do. You haven't mentioned Interstellar in a while. You know, I was going. I was wondering if you're okay. Yeah, it's been a few weeks actually. <laughs> it's been a few weeks since I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. It's your Roman Empire, you know. It, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. No, my, my current Roman Empire is Magic the Gathering. Oh yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, if if Grace were to ask me, like, how many times a day have you thought about Magic the Gathering? Oh, it would be high twenties most days. Yeah, my my problem is is if I'm in my spare time, I'm just sat there looking at cards or trying to put stuff together or <laughs> playing around. Then when I go to bed, it's all I can think about. So my brain is very act- <laughs> like 
if you've ever played a video game so much that when you close your yeah. eyes you see yes. yourself running like you see yes, i just yes, have yes. that so my brain is constantly maybe that's just why i'm so tired recently i, I don't know <laughs> you lay in bed like play a land i tap it wait for the opponent to play <laughs> Right, I'll put my second land for turn. I'll tap it. Yeah. Here comes a for- forest dryad. Right, okay. Play another land next turn, but that means I've got four mana open. Let's do like a hideaway. Yeah. Farseek. Yeah. Right, two lands. All right, here we go. I'm well, I'm obviously the, the curve is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, in your head, the curves yeah. are always perfect. Anyway, uh, more, more facts before we disillusion people. Uh, I've got loads. I guess, you know what? I've got some loads. Curvature of space-time. This is the fancy one. Massive objects like stars and planets warp the fabric of space-time around them. This curvature is what we perceive as gravity, and objects moving along the curve of space-time paths create created by these masses. These masses. Straight in with definitions. Yeah. So we we got the curvature the of, space, of space-time as a, as a fact. Yeah. Nice. There's also I've got like a space space-time foundation. Little oh. explanation of what it is. Four-dimensional yes. continuum that combines the three dimensions of space with the one dimension of time into a single four-dimensioned manifold. This concept oh. is central to the theory of relativity. Pretty good. Pretty good definition. Oh, I, I do. I like it when just you get surprised by a word like manifold. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it just, well, it's not what you hear often, word. but every now and then it just pops up and you're like, "Oh yeah, manifold, yeah. nice." Um, I've got some principles of understanding to go along with that because oh, okay, yeah. I am very aware of the fact that some people listening to the show don't have a side passion of space like I do, who will teach themselves these things in their spare time. So I thought I'd take it back to basics a little bit. Mm. Um, Once you've finished with your foundations, I've got to like, explain it like in five section. Oh, okay. That, that would be good. Yes, so we'll, that, we'll move on to that. Good. We'll build okay. a foundation and then we'll go on to like a... Explain like I'm five. We always need that. So yeah. some principles for understanding space-time, as uh, Mitch so eloquently put it there. Uh, one of the first things you need to understand is the concept of interconnected dimensions. In classical physics, and what you probably learned at school and we think of, is that space and time are independent entities. Uh, I can move around in space and time passes you know uh you can do weird things with memory like go back in time but uh physically that's not possible we have a direction of time it only goes forward however with the advent of relativity it became clear that actually they're intimately linked and we don't often get taught this view because it there's so much that you need to understand for it to make sense so in school, you don't normally get taught this till later on, or even you just don't get taught it at all. So events in the universe are not just located in space, but they also occur at specific points in times. So space-time allows us to describe the position of an event using four coordinates. Three for space, that being the length, width, and height, or X, Y, Z, and then also a coordinate for time as well. Then you have warped mass, and energy. So according to Einstein's general theory of relativity, space-time is not static and unchanging. Uh, it is a dynamic and can be influenced by the presence of mass and energy. So massive objects such as planets, stars, and black holes warp this fabric, let's say, or manifold, as uh, it was uh, presented to us. And that warping effect, as Mitch said, is what we think of as gravity. Now, there's something called an event horizon that you've probably heard of in relation to black holes, maybe. And it's somewhat crucial when discussing space-time. It's thought of that this event horizon, the, the edge of a black hole, it's not a physical thing, but more of a mathematical principle. Um, it's the point beyond which light cannot even escape black holes because gravity is so intense that it's even pulling light towards it. Um... And then the theory of relativity, both special and general, which maybe if we have time, I will come on to later. Um, it states that observers in different states of motion or gravitational fields will experience space and time differently. As we were speaking about gravitational time dilation. If we're down here on Earth, we are closer to the center of gravity. It is having a bigger effect on us and it slows down time. 
if you're further away from Earth, then your watch will tick more slowly because ty- uh, gravity isn't slowing it down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you, I think people often get stuck there a little bit because it's like, okay, well, just because it's influencing my watch doesn't mean it's actually influencing time. But you have to think of that as a bit of a metaphor. Like, it both actually influences your watch, <laughs> but also influences uh, time. Yeah. Um, the, one, the, the, the difficulty of this whole, like, perception thing is very... Um, I was going to it's, it's, it's kind of do the Onian, like, you have Newtonian, but Einstein-Onian? But it was, like, <laughs> Einstein S. What is the... Because the way that he's, is 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 the whole perspective, and it, yes. it, it's like it, it's from your the perspective that you're viewing from is like the time that changes. Because you yourself, if you're going down and you're close to that gravity well, you're not gonna, you know, be able to perceive any sort of change in time because your your own perspective is you are only going yes. slower if there are two observers over this scenario in like a, in like a sandbox environment. If you've got somebody that's like far away from a planet and someone that's going down to a planet with like a lot of gravity and then coming back out, that only weird distortion of time happens because you have two observers. Exactly. You have some point of comparison, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, like the, the classical example is if you had two twins and one is sent away and goes around the sun and comes back, uh, time will have passed a lot more slowly you know for the one just, away. If, you, if you struggle with this go watch buzz lightyear on disney plus it does a wonderful time explaining it because he goes and does the loot around the sun comes back and is like ah oh, damn it's 10 years later and it's only been like five minutes for him yes exactly it's great it's also i thought that was actually much better than people giving it credit for i, I really enjoyed it an it easy bit, watch and great <laughs> a certain ridiculousness to it but really yeah. really good like the um, um, the sandwiches, sandwiches in the future being like meat, bread, meat instead of bread, meat, oh, bread, because yeah. bread, meat, bread is <laughs> way too much bread. <laughs> I just love it. Um, and then the final point I have here is um, that Herman Minkowski, who was a mathematician and friend of Einstein, uh, introduced the idea of representing space-time as a single four-dimensional continuum. And we now know it as Minkowski space-time, uh, but often, just to shorten it down, people just call it space-time. So yes, um, recognition where recognition is due. But feel free to explain that like we're all five-year-olds. Okay, explain like a five. Imagine you have a really big, stretchy sheet of fabric, like a trampoline, and now you place a heavy ball in the middle. What happens, Tom? It sinks. Yeah, the fabric itself stretches and dips around the ball, right? This is a bit like space-time. Space-time is like an invisible, stretchy sheet that everything in the universe sits on. Now, if you have a smaller ball and you roll it near the big bowl, it rolls towards it following the dip. In the universe, the suns, planets, and stars are those balls... And the sun is a very heavy ball that makes everything dip in the same space-time fabric that we've got. Yeah. Uh, this is how gravity works. It's not the sun pulling the Earth directly, but it's the sun's dip in space-time is making the Earth move around it. Also, if you have a very fast or near something very heavy, time can change. Just like if you were playing on that stretchy sheet moving in different ways, sometimes time might seem to go a bit slower or faster compared to someone who is not on the sheet. That's a part of how space-time works too. It can stretch in ways that can make time change a little. So space-time is like a big invisible sheet that everything on the universe sits on and can bend and stretch, which makes planets move and even change how time works. Exactly. And the closer you are to the gravitational uh, or the, the dip, I suppose, that creates yeah. gravity. Um, the slower or quicker. I guess it really depends on the perspective. Yes, that's um, what I mean. It's a, it's a perspective issue. From an outside observer, 
the slower you go. Yes, Which is exactly. when you roll into, like, you've got a black hole, which has an incredible amount of um, uh, mass, thus having a gravitational pull, which is just, you know, off the charts. If you imagine that dip... That dip will it then causes that dip to go. If we're holding that that sheet of paper, it will just go like through the floor, keep going into the earth of how like how much it would pull it down because that's how much uh, it's distorting space time. Yeah, it's uh, uh, really wild. If, so when we uh, get closer to it, if someone was to get close and go into that dip, it would be hard to. What we would see is them disappearing. Like they slowly go transparent and then fade out. I can't remember what exactly the the hypothesis is, but because they're they essentially you can't watch them go any slower, quicker. It's a weird. They'd be going there, right? Um, Time would be slowing down for them, but not for you. Yeah. So you'd see them slow, more slowly and more slowly approach the event horizon. and then as they begin to spaghettify, that is, their atoms are ripped one f- point at a time from their own body um, into the event horizon, they would just fade from existence for you? Yeah. Um, but then they would all be experiencing that in... Real time. I guess Painful, painful, real, real time. time. For them. <laughs> yes. And watching painful, you painful, get old painful, really real quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, the, the next thing I've got is an overview of what special relativity and general relativity are, the things that got us to understand these concepts. But but I think you have a bit of what we thought we knew before and what we knew after. Is that, is that yeah, correct? I've got I've got space-time pre-Einstein and post-Einstein. Okay, do you, do you want to go over sessions. that then? Because uh, yeah, elite, sure. the, the, the pre, I don't from. want to step on that. Yes, exactly. So the concept of space-time, as we understand it today, was shaped by centuries of philosophical and scientific exploration, leading up to and setting the stage for Albert Einstein's revolutionary theories. Before Einstein, the nature of space and time was debated by philosophers and scientists who held various views on the subject, laying the groundwork for the modern understanding of space-time. And aside from this actual explanation, when... I think in a few interviews with Einstein, he essentially said, if it wasn't for him, we would have come across like the theory of relativity anyway, because everything and every one of that kind of er- that era was pointing in one direction. Like his, yeah. he said his uh, discoveries were inevitable. If it wasn't him, somebody else would have, yeah, you know, would have across it. it. Yeah, that's not to say he wasn't smart. Yeah, no, one very smart individual, humble, in but um, he's certainly being humble. But at the same, I, I do get what he's he was saying. You know, yeah, it's like the idea. Some inventions are inevitable. I. Yeah, a we, knife. we've we've talked about this before in the past. Right. Do you, like, what things that we have do you think are inevitable? Like electricity, and the, our use of electricity. Yeah. Would, would you would you find to find that as like an inevitability, or would you like cars? Not the, the combustion engine. A, no, but yeah, something like a car anyway, right? Circles, like wheels, are the most efficient form of transport, right? So something like a car was going to happen yeah. at some point, especially starting with carriages. So yeah, stuff like that is, is inevitable. Uh, the spork, the, way you, like, the ultimate utensil. The, the, the ultimate, <laughs> yeah. Um, when you look at like, fantasy theory, uh, like series, whether it be... Uh, like high fantasy, sci-fi, whatever it is, there's normally like uh, inventions or things they use that flow between all of them that like have students like yeah, continuity. Yeah, I find that a really interesting aspect of uh, science and innovation. This kind of interplay between like sci-fi, fantasy, kind of inspiring what could come next, but also actually using that as inspirational material. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. So going back to space time before I thought, in ancient times, philosophers like Lucretius argued that a re- argued for a relation- relational view on time and suggested that time by itself does not exist, but it rather perceived through movements of things. The idea was somewhat echoed by Saint Augustine, our boy, who proposed that time came into existence with matter, a viewpoint reminiscent of modern cosmological theories. Say, scientific what, re- wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair yeah, 
There was, yeah, there, was, there was a lot of pontification back then. There wasn't much else yeah. going on, so they just wrote letters to each other being like, you know what, this crazy idea that I've had, well, time came into existence with matter, not before it. Which... Honestly, I think I would have thrived in that era. <laughs> I would have absolutely sucked You would have had to be like then. a lord's son or something, so you could just, you know, become a philosopher and just write stuff. But Yeah. <laughs> then the the scientific revolution further shaped our understanding of space time uh copernicus for example challenged the uh geocentric view of the universe suggesting that earth and other planets orbited the sun although he did not fundamentally alter the concept of space itself kepler and galileo made significant contributions by moving away from the idea of space as a static absolute entity into a more dynamic universe where space could be affected by the physical bodies within it then Isaac Newton introduced the idea of absolute space and time, proposing that time flows equally without relation to anything external, and space remains always similar and immovable. This view was challenged by Wilhelm Leibniz and later Ernest Mack, who argued against the notion of absolute space and time, suggesting that these concepts are relative and depend on the relationship between objects. The culmination of these ideas led to the development of the theory of relativity by Albert Einstein in the early 20th centuries, Einstein's work was built on the foundation laid by his predecessors, including the mathematical formulations of space and time by Hermann Mikowski, who proposed that space and time are not separate entities, but rather a single four-dimensional continuum. This concept of space-time is revolutionary, indicating that the structure of the universe is a fundamentally different from the Newtonian model, with geometry of space-time being curved by mass and energy. These historical developments in understanding of space and time underscore the collaborative nature of scientific progress The new theories build upon the insights and challenges posed by previous generations of thinkers. In Einstein's theories, the theory did not emerge in a vacuum, but was the result of centuries of philosophical and scientific inquiry into the nature of our universe. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah just how it all came together. And that's why I've seen there's like loads of things that he was built on. And even he himself, when he was live, had the the insight to be like, yeah, it would have happened because, yeah. you know, this guy said this, this guy said this, we were working towards this anyway. Like Cohen Mikowski was, you know, working in this direction. Somebody does, would have come across it. It does seem to be heralded as an era of great collaboration though between great minds and I, I don't know whether that's influenced like by popular culture or i mean obviously we have the internet now so you'd argue it's even collaborations even bigger mm-hmm. um and it was quite strict disciplinary uh cohorts back then um but you know there's so many letters going back and forth between like the, the brightest minds of the time so it's uh, certainly an interesting era for sure um, so I've got a couple of things on special relativity and uh, general relativity since we're here yes. uh, and we're speaking about Einstein um, so special relativity was introduced by Einstein in 1905 um, and as you pointed out it, it, it was one of the things that absolutely shaped uh, how we arrived at where we did with um, Hermann Minkowski's space-time um but he specifically introduced two postulates let's say that Mm. fundamentally changed how we went about it and that was firstly that the speed of light is a constant asterisk in a vacuum um so in space the speed of light never changes we know it changes down here because if you have like a glass of water in front of you and you know you put your finger behind it you'll see that your finger doesn't actually line up uh, with like where, where how it should how you'd expect it to without without the glass of water there and that's mm. with different refraction speeds um so that so principle refraction ratios which there's yes. a big old list and when i dabbled in using blender to make uh, some of our stuff i think is that is our logo, logo. yes the blender yes, one yes. I do yeah because so, so. it was glass there is an index of refraction so if you want to make like a specific material mm. you can input the the number and that will give you the right refraction of it so glass oh, cool. specifically has got one one ratio or one number that you can put in and then it'll actually be like glass and it'll look like glass and it's rendered out oh that's cool yeah 
I, the same happens with sound as well. I imagine it's a lot more pronounced because the speed of sound is a lot slower than that of light. Um, but that's even influenced by things like temperature and salinity and, and other things. Mm. Um, but maybe because it's vibrations that actually interact with matter, whereas light is its funky other wave form. Um, how Then the principle of relativity was introduced by Einstein as well, that says the law of physics are the same for all observers in inertial frames of reference, um, and no observer in an inertial frame can claim to be at rest because all motion is relative. So it's a lot about perspectives, um, but like not inside your head, this is what I'm viewing, what I think of it, perspective, like actual factual where you are, positionally uh, perspective. Um, I guess how that you would perceive things via, you know, your eyes and such, but... Uh, yeah, and this had some pretty small-scale implications, but massive implications on the scale of the universe. Time dilation we've already spoken about quite a bit, so I won't go on to that again. Um, but length contraction being one, that objects moving at higher speed will appear to contract along their direction of motion when observed by a stationary observer. And the length of an object is not an absolute quantity, but depends on the observer's motion. Uh, this is really exemplified when we're looking at stars and galaxies hundreds of thousands of light years away. Um, if you've heard of blue shift, red shift, that's Stop this effect her. happening on light itself. Mm. Uh, then you have relativity of simultaneity, where events that are simultaneous for one observer may not be simultaneous for another moving observer. And the concept of now is relative. Um, one thing I'm trying to think of, let's say fireworks, you often see the light, then hear the bang, right? If someone is a lot closer to the firework, they'll hear the bang way before you do. Um, so their concept of when the bang happened is very different to yours, even though you're observing the same event. Yeah, it's the, uh, back in what it could be 10 years ago they did the not experiment but the um, was it down brown they're the making ben, ben big ben ring 13 times oh they worked out the speed of sound yeah, I missed that then, one. then worked out the distance that you'd have to be away if you heard it on like uh, a radio quicker and then it would come oh okay so they worked out like the circle listened to it through radio and then heard it in the distance. So they, you could technically hear the, the big Ben 13 times. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then Einstein introduced general relativity uh, 10 years later in 1915, extending upon those principles to also include gravity. So this is where the curvature of space time was introduced as a key principle. Uh, also the equivalence principle, where the effects of gravity are indistinguishable from acceleration and an observer in a gravitational field experiences the same physical effects as an observer in an accelerating reference frame. Um, a reference frame just being your position or experiences. Um, and this is where he also introduced E equals MC squared, the most famous thing. Um, and that's exactly what uh, E equals MC squared relates to. So E is the kinetic energy of a body. Let's say you're floating through space. Um, so your kinetic energy will be equal to your mass of your body, um, as well as the speed of, or times the speed of light squared. Uh, it shows that the equivalence of mass and energy in that equation there. And this led to things like gravitational time dilation that we've experienced about. Um, and this was actually experimentally verified. Um, Bending of light around mass objects, gravitational lensing, and the redshift in the gravitational field have been experimentally observed, providing evidence for general relativity. And not just a few years ago, we also got evidence of gravitational waves. Do you remember when that happened? Yes. Um, I think we spoke, we must have spoken about that. So the, um, uh, maybe we were podcasting then. The, the uh, vertical, uh, like silos. No, it's um. Is it, the, is it the LIGO long... Institute? Yeah, the, like the, yeah, LIGO. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. We've got a whole um, thing of gravitational waves, Tom. Of course I know go. what the LIGO is. Sorry. Um, <laughs> 2016. 2016. Yeah. LIGO and Virgo collaborators. Yeah. Um, basically, if you imagine that fabric we were speaking about earlier being a trampoline, if one person comes along and hits one side theoretically if the fabric is real and it is a true thing you should be able to feel those vibrations um somewhere else on that piece of fabric um which yeah were found spoiler alert eight years ago Uh, somewhat tragic that 2016 was eight years ago space time be doing wild things um Blink-182, self-entitled album, Blink-182, mm. with the iconic, where are you, comes from. <laughs> uh, and that was, that came out in 2003. That was 21 years ago. Oh. Yeah, that's I was a, listening to No More Idols by Chasing Status, thinking oh. I was I was uh, going back. That, that was 2011. <laughs> no More Idols, jeez. Yeah. Good times. Cracking album, if anyone Crackin wants album. to yeah. go check that out. <laughs> album of the week. <laughs> like the yeah. intro to the to No Problem. What a what a for you. Yeah. Uh, I've got more than a lot. Uh, I have the vinyl of more than a lot. Oh, okay. Which is the album before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the, the album before No More Idols. 2008. Yes, I have that <laughs> vinyl. Uh, yeah. Fair. Fair play. Take You There is just such a... Oh, yeah, I can't get enough. Music Club is also good. Against All Odds is on, on that on that one, which is... It's just a snazzy jam. Also, Snazzy jam. Oh, dear. After well, I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back. Albums that I need to go back and listen to, stemming from the fact that I was like feeling like I was like, what albums are like perfect albums back from like teenage years? And I've got Blink One Eight Two so far. Blink One Eight Two, the Fifty Nine Sound by Gaslight Anthem, which is mm. a kind of curveball, but is I swear down it's perfect album. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll need to add, make a list. Um, Velociraptor by Casabian. Ooh, maybe, yeah. I wasn't a massive Kasabian fan, but I, I neither think... was I. But that was an absolute. I just loved all the songs on that album. Uh, I would. Is it a perfect album? I I don't know. Probably not. It would depend on your on your your taste because there, there's some weird songs in there. But uh, mm, that's uh, uh, nostalgia for me. That's 2011. Tw- uh, Stadium Arcadium by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is never been a... much of a Peppers fan. Uh, okay, it's it's. It's well, not that I'm not the... a fan. I've just never sat down and listened to them okay, properly. Okay, well, Stadium is 28 songs, and I swear every single one of them is good. <laughs> every single one of them is good. Okay, gravitational waves. Yeah, explaining like <laughs> uh, you're five. So, Tom, imagine you're sitting in a bathtub full of water, and you start splashing rounds. And the more the water waves, uh, they move. The water moves in ripples that spread out from where you're splashing. Right? Gravitational waves are kind of like those water ripples. But they happen in space instead of water. So space is like a really big invisible fabric, as we have already said, that we can stretch and squeeze. When something really, really heavy moves around the space, like stars exploding or two black holes spinning around each other really fast, it can make this space fabric stretch and squeeze too. And these stretches and squeezes travel out in all directions, just like the ripples in the water, and they're called gravitational waves. We can't see these waves with our eyes, but scientists have made a very special tool that can feel when they pass by Earth. It feels like the shake of a big truck driving by, but much, much gentler. So these waves tell scientists about big events happening far away in space, helping them learn more about the universe, which is actually how when they've got um, binary black holes spinning around each other, they give off frequency, and that's how they know. That's cool, isn't it? It's... (laughs) Hey, scientists, scientists out of and, this world, and, literally and out of this world. What are they doing? Scientists Give and their scientists lasers. A laser. I mean, you know what? What can't they do? <laughs> there was a period of time where, like, I think it was every other week, we were like, <laughs> scientists have done something else with lasers. <laughs> with lasers, <laughs> they've done Honestly, it again. <laughs> um, we, 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 we pre-researched for some uh, 
a couple of episodes and my news involves lasers <laughs> because I, I had the same thought Brilliant. <laughs> just yeah. what can't you do with lasers these days absolutely wild so the explain it like an i'm an adult version is gravitational waves can be explained as perturb perturbations per perturbations perturbations yes <laughs> in the curvature that, so that so really it's, it's uh, got me it's got me striked yeah uh yeah. <laughs> <Perturbation>. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, <what the> <laughs> uh, are the perturbations in the room with us <laughs> can't, they can't hurt me they can't hurt you can you see them oh, perturbations in the curvature <laughs> perturbations perturbations uh. <laughs> Gravitational waves can be explained as perturbations in the curvature of space-time that propagate as waves at the speed of light. These waves are generated by certain movements of mass, particularly by asymmetrical gravitational interactions, such as a binary black hole merger, neutron star collisions, or even the rapid acceleration of massive objects. Gravitational waves were first predicted by Albert Einstein in 1916 as a consequence of his general theory of relativity which posited that gravity is the result of masses curving space-time around them the detection of gravitational waves requires extremely sensitive instrumentation as the amplitude of these waves by the time they reach earth is minuscule often thousands of times smaller than the nucleus of an atom this sensitivity was achieved with the construction of the laser interferometer gravitational wave observatory also known as the LIGO and its counterparts around the world, such as Virgo and Kagra. These detectors operate by measuring the infinitesimally small changes in the distance between mirrors placed kilometers apart, changes induced by the passing of gravitational waves. The first detection of gravitational waves was announced on February the 1st, 2016, by the LIGO and Virgo collaborations, stemming from a signal observed on the September the 14th in 2015. This signal, named GW150914, originated from the merger of two black holes approximately 1.3 billion light years away, marking a groundbreaking confirmation of Einstein's theory and inaugurating the, f- the field of gravitational wave astronomy. I like it to that point, they thought it was all theory. And then I'm like, yes, it's a well, real thing. The, that's <laughs> the crazy thing, right? Especially with this level of physics. Like, it really is ground. And I think it just gets so hard to wrap our heads around. Yes. That it's quite a limited field of research in a, in a sense that I remember that happening and actually be, thinking that was such, quite exciting. Yeah, indeed. So the gravitational waves carrying unique information about their sources provide insight into the properties of black holes, neutral stars and other dense objects that are otherwise invisible in the electromagnetic spectra. This opens a new window onto the universe allowing the study of phenomena such as black hole formation, the, the behavior of matter at extreme densities and the expansion rate of the universe and tests of general relativity in the strong field regime. The detection not only confirms the century-old theoretical prediction, but also heralds in a new era of astrophysical observation, enabling scientists to observe cosmic events that were previously undetectable and test fundamental laws of physics under extreme conditions. Gravitational waves and how important they are. Pretty rad, yeah. I'd say. Pretty rad. Um, one of the things I discovered when looking at this is something called frame dragging. Frame dragging? Yeah. Have you heard of this? Did you encounter this at all? I've heard it before, but I, for the life of me, can't remember what it is. Uh, so, so it's also known as the lens theoring effect. And it was a phenomenon that was predicted by Einstein's uh, theory of general relativity. And what's reminded me of it is it's, it's somewhat along the lines of gra- gravitational uh, waves. So... It describes the effect of a massive rotating object dragging space-time around it as it rotates. Um, if you imagine taking back to our explain like I'm five in the bathtub analogy, if I'm spinning my rubber ducky around on the surface, right? <laughs> yeah. The the water around the bottom of that rubber ducky is also getting pulled in the same direction, right? Uh, around the outside, and then as the further away you go, the less the effect of that spinning affects the water. So directly mm-hmm. around the rubber duck, the fabric, space-time, is spinning. The further away you go, the, the less it is spinning. Um, so according to general relativity, mass and the energy warp of the fabric of space-time, when a massive uh, object like a planet or star is also rotating, 
not only moving through it. Um, it causes a curvature in space-time due to the mass, but also imparts a twist or rotation on the space-time around it. Um, it creates a sort of whirlpool or vortex effect in the fabric of space-time. Now, objects close to the rotating mass will be influenced by this effect. For example, if another small object orbits the rotating mass, its trajectory can be altered due to the twisting space-time created by the rotation of this massive object. We have a prime example of that in the Earth and the Moon. So think about the trampoline that, that Mitch said earlier. If you rolled a ball at a, you know, if you had a bowling ball in the middle weighing it down and you, you rolled a ball at it, um, it would fairly quickly just fall into the bowling ball and stop moving. You'd be like, that's disappointing. But when you're talking about the speeds and the masses that we are speaking about in terms of the sun and uh, the earth, because not only are, if you imagine the sun as a stationary object and we are orbiting around that, okay, that's true. But then the sun is also orbiting around the center of the galaxy. So the sun is actually moving a tremendous amount and pulling us along with it. Um, we're doing the same to the moon. The, the moon's actually trying to get further away mm -hmm. because of the, the speed that it's rotating around us. But the gravity is not letting that happen at a... It is happening, but I think a few centimeters a year. Um, but then also with this twist in space-time, it's also reducing that effect as uh, we would expect as well. If the if the twisting of the space-time didn't... Basically, if the twisting of the space-time wasn't already there, we'd expect the moon to be moving away quicker than it is, if that makes sense. Um, the Frame Dragon was experimentally confirmed by the Gravity Probe B mission launched by NASA in 2004. It used four ultra-precise gyroscopes to measure the precession, that is the change in orientation of these gyroscopes, of their spin axes, in response to the gravitational influence of Earth's rotation. Uh, so as it got further and further away from Earth, they just measured how it's, uh, the axes of these gyroscopes changed. Um, and then, of course, obviously, it's very important in terms of astrophysics and the behavior of matter around astronomical objects, such as neutron stars and black holes, even places in when you're sending a probe out to Jupiter or the planets beyond mm. the asteroid belt. You know, you get minor fluctuations in um, gravity around asteroids, especially the larger ones. Um, oh, did you see they found water on an asteroid this week? Yeah. Tidbit of news for you there. Wondering which mega corporations are rubbing their hands to wanting to go <laughs> get it. We've, we've seen the science fiction. We know what they're going to be doing. Well, that's already happened. They, they brought the first samples back recently, didn't they? In the, yeah. A couple of months ago, I think. Um, and opened them looked at them for the first time so yes if you've seen the expanse that is our future yes <laughs> it's what yeah. i imagine working um, asteroid is yeah that's a great show by the way okay first go, season go, was go good first season was good they should have stopped oh really they should have stopped yeah i the the third second and third season i'm just not here i'm not here for it when it was like detective like what's going on yeah. Let's work out what happened. Show that was when it was when it's his best. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair for me anyway. I'm not gonna ruin anyone's enjoyment of it. What? <laughs> cool. Um, what else you got then? Well, I mean, that's it. You got? That's well, all that's it for you. Yeah. Well, I did like a whole like post space time device, but we've covered most of it in the in explaining. The different like like holes, gravitational waves, that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. Okay, fair play, fair play. The, the last thing I've got then is focusing on black holes themselves. Oh, not black holes. Black hole, I know. Yeah. Just uh, the pit of despair. Yeah, just endless. Um, like my hunger for food. <laughs> I feel that. The yeah. amount I just munch currently, just sat here at work, just like, I need stimulation oh um, i got my um blue crest results back would recommend if anyone's at like starting to feel the the withering claw of age <laughs> descending upon them just rear its head up yeah go go get a blue crest check 
Like it's bit, it's a bit spenny, but if you can do it, like I did. Do you want to explain what that is? So it's essentially are, just like a. Do you know, like you have an MOT for your car. It's essentially you have an MOT for yourself. Uh, not in the case like you can't fail it, and they they take you off the road. Uh, but they essentially they take. <laughs> you don't need to fix this, mate. <laughs> well, they they te- they do. They say like you know what you, you may want to change this. The one that I got, I've got like a, a GP that I can phone to be like, can you explain what this means, please? Because I'm not a scientist. Because yeah. they give you all the data, like all the different things, all the different like lip heights and that kind of stuff that I don't really know what it means. Um, but it gives you like, they take blood, they you do like a hand test where you have to essentially pull this bar towards your palm and it tests how strong your, your grip strength is. Uh, like you blow into a tube to see if you've got uh, fibrosis or anything like that uh, and then they take the blood and they do like blood tests and run everything to see if there's like, any indicators of like immune um compromising things or anything like that uh, but i i i did that when i was back i my lung age is 20 so that's oh, wow. 10 years 10 years which was, i was like that's brilliant that yeah was brilliant uh i'm just i'll tell you the highs before i get to the lows right okay <laughs> my, yes of course my grip strength was uh 59 kilograms essentially so that means that i can if i was to pull weight off the floor with just my hand and not moving my arm i could pull up 58 kilograms i'll, I'll assume that's good I yeah yeah no so so of... uh oh yeah you have no perspective here so this <laughs> 20 is like what well 20 like above 20 is what you want to aim for anything below 20 and you've got like Weak, weak you got limb wrists uh and that indicates that something's that going on grip. uh yeah but like she was like oh no, no, no that's really good like that's a really okay. good grip i'm not like gonna be climbing up any mountains soon but with the bouldering it definitely helps um so that was good the, the bit that wasn't was like you have a metabolic age of 44 mm. uh and that's because i have slightly it's to do with your ratio to my ratio, I think yours. Uh, my ratio okay. from like Stop bad cholesterol, <laughs> yeah, bad cholesterol to good cholesterol. Right. I've got slightly lower good cholesterol, but higher, slightly elevated bad cholesterol. But because the the ratio is bad, that means I've got a, a high metabolic age. So essentially, I need to exercise more um, mm. and eat better. So I've been eating better, and I'm things. hungry all the time. Yeah, I feel that. I don't know, like, I haven't been well, and I haven't been exercising as much, and I'm still trying to get over, like, Christmas, like, eating. Um, it's ridiculous to be in mid-February. Uh, but yeah, now I was like, you know, it makes sense. I need to cut back on food and exercise some more, so. Oh, a good and thing to do, do like, then. cardio exercise. Like, climbing ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> because climbing, the bouldering that I do is not like aerobic, yeah. aerobic at all. Like I'm not going to get, I'm not panting I'm out of breath. It's just, ow, my muscles hurt because I've been trying to climb this. Um, so I need to essentially go running or cycling or find something fun to do. It's difficult. Yeah. So I would recommend doing that. Yes. Yeah. Now I've got like a, I've got my, what's it called at the start? I've got my, like a science test. This is my, benchmark baseline this is my baseline i have my baseline mm. and then maybe next year or the year after I'll, I'll do it again and see if i've improved any nice well all the best at least you got like see data would give me the motivation yeah and they give you a lot of data yeah like they give you making the all the spreadsheets yeah all the graphs. yeah 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 all right um black holes then <laughs> Back to black holes. Yeah, back to black um, holes for instance, me being like, my stomach. Yeah, well, I mean, if you, you can afford to do it, it's a great thing to do. And uh, yeah, definitely worth doing if possible. But uh, the quick note on black holes, since we're speaking about space time and people often have questions like, well, what is going on there? Uh, honestly, we don't know. Up to a certain point, we, we have a guess. And then past that, we just we just don't have a clue. So black holes are formed when massive stars exhaust their nuclear fuel and go undergo a supernova explosion. If the remaining core mass exceeds a critical limit, being 2.5 to 3 times the mass of the Sun, so that is our Sun, 
um, gravity will essentially overwhelm other forces leading to a collapse and that's where Mitch said earlier if you imagine this fabric of space-time and then you just find a hole in it that just infinitely goes down that's the effect it has on space-time around it. Uh, the boundary surrounding a black hole is called an event horizon and once an object crosses that boundary it is inevitably drawn into the black hole and escape becomes impossible including that of light However, it's important to note that the event horizon is not a physical surface that you pass through, uh, but a mathematical boundary that represents the point of no return. It would it would seem like a physical surface because light isn't escaping it, but it's it's mm -hmm. not. Um, now, the center of the black hole lies a point of infinite density called the singularity. Because mass is just continually pulled into it, that point just keeps... We don't think growing in size, but growing in, in, in mass or density. So that's why the density increases, even though the size doesn't. Um, because Sorry mass is still being added. Yes, please go for it. This, there's a, uh, someone spent two years creating a video in Unreal Engine, I think it was five, of like to help humans understand big, small things, especially in our universe. In our universe. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that completely blew my mind was I was like, yeah, but no, black holes are really big. I'm like, no, like the size of a grape. What? What's that? Sorry? Like the middle bit. The sing like the singularity yeah. of like the actual middle bit is like not very big. Yeah. And I was like, why in my head did I think it was huge? Because you think like the whole black hole, obviously, depending on how much it's eaten, um, um nom nom, depends on like it's it's whether how big it's the 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 line that I've commonly forgotten. The, the Event Horizon? The Event Horizon, yeah. The name of that good great movie. Uh you think like that's the edge of, that's like that's the edge of the black hole, but it's actually you would say the singularity, which is just a small bit in the middle. Yeah. If you'd imagine um the sun, right? <laughs> yes, the sun. And then around that you have Oh see, I'm gonna know what this is, but no one else would. Um well, okay, everyone's heard of the asteroid field belt, right? Yes. You've got the Sun, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, asteroid belt, right? Yeah. Creates a sphere of basically asteroids around the Sun. Um, you can imagine that as an analogy of the asteroid sphere around the Sun being the point at which it becomes dark. But the actual physical thing, the sun itself, is that grape in the middle. Yeah. Um, relative for, for size. Um, and there are actually more than one type of black hole. So yeah. there you have stellar black holes formed from the collapse of massive stars, ranging from about 20 times the mass of the sun. Uh, well, sorry, from a few to 20 times the mass of our sun. You have intermediate black holes with masses between stellar and supermassive black holes. Uh, which is very arbitrary because there's no actual de definition there. And then supermassive black holes, which are found at the center of galaxies, which have masses ranging from hundreds and thousands to billions that the times of our sun. So as our planets orbit the sun, our sun orbits a supermassive black hole, along with trillions of other stars as well. Um, and then Hawking radiation uh, was proposed by uh, physicist Stephen Hawking, and it theorizes that black holes can emit radiation and gradually lose mass over time due to quantum effects near the event horizon. And this has also been proven, uh, I think, as well. Mm. So that's just a little tidbit on black holes there since we're in space time. That brings us over the hour. And I guess we'll bring us to a wrap then, unless you've got anything else you would like to wedge on in. I was just thinking about uh, two massive black holes, and is that Muse album going to go on my list of albums oh, that are perfect? Of but I don't think it is. I don't think it quite makes it. You'd have to give it a listen. It's it's, it's a good one, but I don't think every song on there is a banger. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, what percentage is the cutoff? Like, uh, well, filler, if you're doing it on filler. percentages, it's not because like some albums have ten songs on. So if you're going for like yeah, yeah, 90% but then only it just, one. It just has to be like more killer than filler. Like, and if it's more killer than filler, then does it make it? Yeah, I'd say so. Mm -hmm. I'd have to re-listen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> don't forget to share this with your friends, families, co-workers, 
whoever will listen will take everyone um if you want more fun information science you can follow us on twitter and tiktok at info entropy pod instagram at information entropy pod and spotify itunes wherever you can give us a follow please do uh, we appreciate it massively it helps us out more than you know than you know if you've made it this far you might as well open your phone or whatever you're listening on and just click that like button or give us a rating whatever you can do we appreciate mm. your face cool i guess that'll bring us to the end then so we'll see you guys next time ciao for now